The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition with Gary Ray. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here is Gary Ray. Today is May 23rd, 2017. Good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network Radio. As always, my co-host, Lieutenant Colonel Bill Forbes, U.S. Army retired. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Gary, and as always, it is great to be with you. All right. Thank you, Bill. Bill, we had another great show last week. We actually talked about the Armed Forces Week, and we also had Glenn Towery from the Veterans Suicide Prevention Channel with us. If you missed the live show, be sure to hear the complete show right on our archive section on the AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. Now, as always, Bill has always some news articles for us. And Bill, did I hear you right when we talked before the show that the Pentagon has refused a standing request to add names of U.S. sailors that died in 1969 to the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C.? Well, Gary, that's correct. Uh, The uh, Pentagon has refused a long-standing request to add the names of 74 U.S. sailors who died in 1969 in a ship collision uh, uh, on the uh, Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C. Now, this vessel, the USS Frank Evans, was participating in a nighttime training exercise in the South China Sea when it turned into the path mistakenly of an Australian aircraft carrier and was split in half. Oh, His uh, vessel, which is a World War II-era destroyer, Stern's section stayed afloat while the bow's uh, uh, section sank. Now, the survivors and the relatives of those killed have been pushing the Department of Defense for years to add the 74 names to the war because the ship, Gary, had supported ground operations in Vietnam just weeks earlier and likely would have been sent back to the war zone after the exercise. But the Pentagon officials in the decision this month stuck to their position that the Evans victims are precluded from being added to the war because the accident occurred outside uh, the Vietnam combat zone. And, you know, Gary, we, 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 we've, we've heard a lot of other situations like this where our men and women who served uh, not on the ground in uh, in Vietnam, but in in support of the mission, uh, who uh, proceed to 
uh, try and gain service-connected disabilities, uh, compensation, and uh, it's, uh, you know, they've been refused. And, of course, you know, we've had a special recognition for those that we call with the Navy with the Blue Water uh, veterans. So, you know, this is, uh, is controversial, and it's certainly uh, not setting well with the survivors of many of these uh, uh, sailors that were on that ship. Right. Did it mention how many survivors there were? I did not give that number, but it, uh, were, there were 74. I would uh, imagine that that was a significant number in terms of uh, the total that were on the ship. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Again, uh, if there's something we could do about that, uh, we're going to definitely check on check on that. That's a pretty interesting subject. Now, Bill, you also had another uh, article that you mentioned about the troops that were separated from the service despite a potentially relevant diagnosis that they could actually be prevented from receiving care from the Department of Veterans Affairs. What's going on there? Well, Gary, this is troubling also because in a recent report, it has been determined that nearly two-thirds of the 91,000-plus uh, uh, servicemen and women who were separated from the military for misconduct in a recent four-year period had been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress and traumatic brain injury or uh, the conditions that were determined to be or would lead to misconduct in this report. Now, the Government Accountability Office found that the Defense Department needs to take action to make sure that commanders appropriately consider medical conditions when weighing what to do with service members facing misconduct allegations. And uh, it shows that some... 57,000-plus troops were separated from the service despite a potentially relevant diagnosis between 2011 and 2015. Another 13,000-plus of them had received other than honorable discharges that could prevent them from receiving care and compensation from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. And, you know, we've been concerned about the post-traumatic stress, these kinds of incidents, Gary, and also these special codes. And you can rest assured that those folks receive codes uh, uh, on their DD-214 that are probably not going to be in their best interest as they pursue getting their, the benefits that they deserve uh, you know, from the government. Right. That's another, another, uh, those usually no special codes or secret codes. That's another story, I'll tell you that. Um, and you're going to hear more about it in the future. Now, those are some great articles, Bill, but let's get on with the show. Bill, you have the honor of introducing our guest this morning. And an honor indeed it is, uh, Gary. Uh, this morning, I guess, is Ernesto P. Hernandez III. Ernesto is the founder and executive director of Wounded Poor Project, a nonprofit organization that rescues, shelters, and trains dogs 
for service to our veterans, saving a poor to save a life, giving them a second chance at, uh, at being a service dog. Previously, Ernesto was the chief executive officer of the Military Order of the Purple Heart as the primary liaison with the Department of Veterans Affairs, Congress, Department of Defense, and military services and veteran service organizations. Ernesto experienced a distinguished career in the U.S. Air Force. He is a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy in 1994 with a Bachelor of, Bachelor of Science degree, and later he earned a Master of Business Administration Ernesto served multiple tours in the Middle East and a wide range of assignments after 9-11. He was wounded on March 26, 2008, when he used his own body to shield the occupants of an open bunker from indirect fire from mortars and rockets at forward operating base Phoenix in Iraq. Ernesto retired from the Air Force in 2016, and he focuses on assisting all veterans and their families. Ernesto, welcome to the American Heroes Network. Welcome, Ernesto. Thank you, gentlemen. Good morning, and thank you for having me on the show. All right. Sir, let's start from the beginning. What was the deciding factor with you developing uh, your nonprofit that rescues shelter dogs and trains them as service dogs? It was, uh, I apologize, this could be a little difficult. It was one day that I looked in a mirror, and uh, it wasn't me. Uh, after I was injured, uh, you know, heavy signature wounds, the TBI, post-traumatic stress. And since I didn't have a physical wound, as you can see, and you know, know that I was hurt from combat, it is, it's hard for your family, friends, colleagues to understand. Right. And it, that day I realized that I needed some help, and I was, I was too proud at the time to really reach out and, and seek for help from the medical treatment because I was pretty close to retirement. So uh, I have a dog named Daisy. She was a rescue herself, and she noticed something wrong. And on her own, without formal training initially, she started taking on tasks, such as picking up water bottles, wallets, bracing me, and more of anything, just a companion, just you know, laying there with me. And so that was a deciding factor that if uh, this beautiful, innocent creature could change my life, I figured that I could change other people's life by promoting uh, dog advocacy and service dogs. That's great. Well, what makes uh, the Wounded uh, Paw Project different? Uh, what makes us different is we solely use shelter dogs, completely shelter dogs, rescue dogs, shelter dogs uh, throughout the United States, and actually we team up with some organizations that save dogs from dog-eating countries. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I always relate to this. In 1936 in Berlin, Jesse Owens disproved that that a, uh, you can breed a master race. So that's all we use is rescue dogs. And you were an actual client at the beginning, weren't you? Yes, I was actually a client before I was the founder of the organization. Uh, I said, yes. All right. Now, also, you, well, during your recovery, take, uh, recovery takes uh, time, and, and many don't understand the invisible wounds. Um, for you, tell us a little bit about that end of it. Is it suited for, to communicate with uh, your dog, is your pet? Is that how everything started? Well, it's, it's yes and, 
it started that way. It's kind of funny. Uh, it's just it's a bond that it's an amazing. Uh, you know, they always call dogs man best friends, and we do advocate for all animals. But it's something about dogs that and a human being that can just connect without speaking to each other. Is that she just noticed something wasn't there, and said, "I knew something was there," and I wouldn't seek medical treatment for several reasons. One, I wanted to retire with full retirement. Uh, you know, nothing wrong with a medical retirement, but I did want to so close to retirement. And then secondly, it's that type A personality that does not want to see health. You know, I'm an Air Force Academy graduate. I thought I was pretty educated, and here I am, you know, not being normal. You know, the PTSD, you know, people, certain people that were close to me noticed it, and then I became a little bit uh, more obstinate, and, you know, people distanced themselves. So once I saw that, you know, I, I, you know, when Daisy calmed me down and started helping me out, then I started seeking the medical treatment that I needed. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, what we're going to do, we're going to go ahead and take a break. Okay. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with Ernesto with the Wounded Paw Project. And, Bill, I know you had a question. Well, uh, a, a comment person will get to the question. Ernesto, I know in your advocacy, and I'm sure in mine, uh, and something that you, uh, you, you touched upon initially is making that first step to realize that uh, help is necessary. And, uh, you know, whether it's pride or whatever else it is, that we don't always like to come out of our shell to make it be known that there's an issue that we need to deal with. Uh, uh, We become uh, uh, very close mouth about that. And sometimes it has to be from the urging of a family member or, you know, something else that gets us to the point. But. Talk about that just a little bit and then getting that connection with being able to be helped and assisted 
by uh, uh, the dog program that uh, that you are now uh, heading up? You, well, I'll speak specifically for me, and it's one of the things where, you know, the invisible wounds or any wounds or traumas of war, you come back, and the first thing I think we depend on is some kind of substance to, to eat, to uh, put it used to pain, uh, forget the memories of, of war, and for most of us, it's either alcohol or abusing uh, controlled substances that are issued to us by the VA. For me, it was alcohol. And then with that, you know, uh, different thoughts and mindsets come about, and, and then you start <laughs> arguing with yourself, and that person in the mirror is no longer a person. And, you know, for me, I was punching walls and putting my hand through walls. It just, uh, it's, it's just difficult. But it's, as I mentioned earlier, you know, when you think you're type A and invisible, uh, you know, we're all vulnerable. So uh, as time progressed, my kids noticed it and they mentioned it to me, and that's what really brought to light to say, I need to make a change in my life. If you know, I can't continue like this. And the first step was, I said, Daisy just caught on to it on her own. Uh, and then we started, I started training her and doing a lot of research, which kept me from doing things I shouldn't be doing, and researching online, libraries, speaking to the organizations, and training her and training her. And finally, we baseline her as a service dog. And uh, then that was the first step. I mean, just me getting out of the house, uh, going for walks, uh, interacting with people again. And then the second step, which is always the hardest step, is walking into a, a physician's office and saying, I, I, I think I have a problem. I'm not going to say I have a problem, but I think. And then starting a dialogue, and, so, and when Daisy was there with me, you know, some of the questions I didn't like. And so we take a time out, and I just rub her ears or just touch her, and she would, you know, she was sensing anxiety. And, jump on top of me. It was maybe just that pressure, that weight, or just those big brown eyes that looked at me that was able for me to continue on. You know, So one session led to a second session, let's do a third session. And I personally think, as you know, we have a mutual friend by the name of Charles that does a lot of suicide prevention. A lot of yes. our service members that are taking uh, the ultimate step in ending their lives is they're lonely. You know, I, I have a family, but not every, as you know, every veteran that comes back has a family and, and, and a dog can be that family member that's missing or that missing cog. True. So, Ernesto, tell us uh, uh, a little bit about the training regimen and the preparation for the dogs in the program to address these kinds of concerns and needs uh, that our veterans are in need of as they are making this attempt to reintegrate back with home and community uh, uh, with the conditions that they that they have, so uh, what is the regimen or the training that uh, you take these dogs through to uh, get them prepared to be able to successfully serve the veterans that they are working with? Sure, I, I'm going to do it at a high level because we could be a couple hours talking about this, especially <laughs> okay. have a passion for it. Understandable. <laughs> it's, it's really. The dogs actually picks out the veterans, so we, we focus on rescue dogs. Uh, there's 70 million homeless animals, 80 million end up in shelters, and half of those are destroyed. Uh, with that being said, is with so many animals out there, they really, we really pick the ones we think we can train fairly quickly because it takes a long time to do a service dog. Uh, the average is 18 months, 12 months, 18 months. We try to do it in six to eight. And we we just been doing it for so long uh, prior to the nonprofit that we we seek out dogs that we can quickly train, and there's some commands that you have to do to make sure the dog is you know uh, able to be put in a public setting, not 
doing things that shouldn't be doing, like defecating or urinating all over place for marking property. And then from there, we start training some basic commands of how to be, you know, just to be controllable. Then we team them up with a veteran, and the veteran really will tell us what their needs are for PTSD and TBI, which we're focusing right now. Uh, we, we take a dog and just really can console them. And, and I know I'm, I'm not completely answering your question because there's so much to the background to it, but the bottom line is the dog picks a veteran that they best think they could serve with. We team them up, and we work with those issues that they have. You know, we do have a side of a questionnaire, and if possible, we work with their physicians to see what other issues they have. But a lot of times, anxiety, how to calm the veteran down. If they're having a bad day, they get upset. You know, what can that dog do to sense it? So that dog is actually literally hounding them like they were their own puppy. You know, uh, they basically that's the best analogy where the dog becomes the mother, father to that veteran and just really consoles them and, and takes care of them. Either would by be a licking or nudging them, putting a cold nose to them, and that's how we move forward. How to establish you know the initial baseline for it. And and I apologize if I'm going here in a little circle. Just that it's a huge, huge training regimen program that goes into it. That we just try to get the dog paired up with the veteran as soon as feasible, not as possible, feasible, so we can get the veteran to calm down. But it also the process doesn't end once we're done. It's a continuous education, as as we all are aware in the military, that it continues on. That training continually goes on. We monitor it. We we you know make phone calls, house visits, and to ensure that the dog and, and the veteran are paired correctly, and it continue to grow together. Yeah, Hopefully that answers part of your question. Well, it, well, it does, and here's a follow-up to that, is that uh, as we're training them to help our veterans, uh, I'm sure there's some concerns about, uh, uh, you know, this process. For an example, the diet, uh, the, the food that the dog is provided with, and the, and the dog's medical care during this process. Correct. Diet is very important. You try to keep them as lean as possible. Uh, but, I mean, at the same time, you don't want to starve them. So, yes, there is a dietary concerns, and, and especially with someone with PTSD and TBI. And if they're alone, we monitor those folks as much as more than we would someone else that has a family. With the ones that have families, we always say we, we train service dogs for veterans and their family. It's, it's a family process. When it comes to the medical, we have teamed up with uh, veterinarians, organizations that provide a reduced cost. And then, secondly, we do have health health insurance to offset some of the cost. So, like, as you and I have, you know, VA choice cars now that we can go out there, but it doesn't completely cover the whole bill. The same thing we have for dogs, but we have a, 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 a health plan for them. So to ensure that, one, their yearly vaccination, two, if there is an accident or they're not feeling well, they can go see a veteran as soon as possible and not be concerned that there's going to be a huge bill. And uh, a lot of these are pro bono for them for at least the first couple of years. And Ernesto, Ernesto I, I would imagine that there's a, a strong bonding that uh, develops between the dog and the veteran. Talk to us about, about a little bit about that. Oh, there is a strong bonding. It's, it's always we think that we're training the dog, and I think it's the other way around. I think the dog is training <laughs> us. You know, all their needs. You know, Ernesto, I, uh, I was at a stop sign yesterday, I did, and I looked up, and the car in front of me had, on the back window, it had a dog print, a paw print, and it said, who trained who? <laughs> I thought, wow, that's tomorrow's story. Yeah, that's, that, that is exactly right. So that bonding, really, I, I personally believe in, and like I said, I'm not only the founder, CEO of this organization, I'm also a client, and still a client. The dog really trains us, and in, the dog understands more than we think. 
and they start, you know, changing their behaviors. The one thing I will add is the one thing is a service dog. When we vest them, they're a whole different dog than we when unvest them. And if you remember when you put on your uniform, uh, sir, uh, you know, we were a different person. You know, we had our de- dresses, we had our utility uniforms, we had our combat uniforms. And the same thing, which goes to the behavior of the dog, when we vest them, they're, they're at work, and they feel very proud. And that's where you can tell, you know, that bond is a little bit different. You know, they're there to provide a service. Then when we invest and when you get home, you know, they're no different than you and I when we took our uniform home and they become a pet and sometimes goofy pets. You know, I have one uh, that's taken over for Daisy. Daisy's retired now in her early age. Uh, but uh, we have Rosie that uh, she's a phenomenal dog. She's the one that I take with me now to most uh, events. But when I take that vest off, she, she's a totally different dog. Yes. And, you know, I would imagine that in this process, that you uh, have some success, success stories uh, that uh, you might want to share with us uh, with uh, dog and veteran and uh, how that's worked out to really mostly improve the veteran, but also for the dog also. I'll give you one example. We have a lot. You know, visit our website, uh, wundapalproject.org. But one area that we're really focusing on, and it's fairly new, uh, and we're getting VA support is for military sexual trauma or sexual trauma victims, as we call them. Uh, we're taking your beautiful, scary dogs, such as Rottweilers, Pit Bulls, German Shepherds, Mastiffs, Doberman Pinschers, that there are some laws in certain states, you know, breed-specific legislation, because they're misunderstood, and, and we're pairing them up with victims. And unfortunately, I cannot share names, because you, you, you can imagine. Sure. But yeah. we take a person who's been victimized sexually, and they no longer want to leave their house. They're, they're confined. They don't want to go out for any. They don't just don't want to leave their, their residence. So we've done a couple of trial runs where we take one of these beautiful creatures and pair them up with a traumatized victim. And these dogs have been traumatized themselves. And it's kind of a little bit of you know reverse psychology here where we tell the, the victim or the person I'm start using the term person that you know this dog is there to you know be a companion. You know we we don't train attack dogs or guard dogs. It's just a companion. But their pure size is just intimidating. And so, you know, when we leave this, this dog with them, they say, look, it does got to go outside and potty. So the person initially needs to take it out, and we'll call and say, hey, make sure you take the dog out every, you know, two to four hours. And we try to do it in, to get them out of the house more. So they do that. Then the next step is, you know, we come in, and we say, hey, this dog is getting some atrophy. You need to take it for a little walk. So you just you know, take it down the road, take it to your mailbox, just do it a couple times a day. And we've had one graduate in the program where, it's a she, uh, is now living an almost normal life. I don't think we can ever normalize you know, a trauma such as that. But what the thing is amazing is that person believes that the dog is there to protect her, and then dog thinks, oh, my God, I'm not getting beat. This human being's protecting me. It's an amazing bond where both the, the dog and the person are saving each other, and that's hence where we came up with saving a paw to save a life. Outstanding. Oh, definitely. Now, uh, there's a, there's also a difference between specialty bred dogs and the ones that I, I gathered went through trauma, and, and there's been what scientific evidence to prove that. Is that right? Yeah, there's, there's, there's the VA has done a study, as my understanding, and I was provided this from uh, one of our board members, where traumatized dogs uh, are they don't want to go back to a cage, they don't want to go back to a pound or, or a rescue facility, and they 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 uh they learn pretty quickly and I'll give you an example. Rosie's the the second dog that I have as a service dog that uh, she was a bait dog. 
What that means is she was tied to a stake, and they had other dogs attacking her from dog fighting rings. And uh, she was a puppy when she had puppies, and, and she just went through a really bad experience you know, early in her life. And she picked up a service dog within six months. I mean, she's fully trained. I've, I've taken her to the White House. I've taken her to different events in D.C., goes on a plane. Uh, so I, I'm a true believer that, you know, I'm not advocating just strictly uh, getting uh, dogs that have been traumatized themselves, but they, they learn a little quicker. And so we, we are getting some, gathering some data. But uh, it's just, you know, they don't want to go back. Unbelievable. We're going to go ahead and take a break. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo@americanheroesnetwork.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with Ernesto from the Wounded Paw Project. Now, why don't you tell us about the Paw Principle? Well, thank you. Yes. Uh, the Paw Principle is PAW, Protect, Advocate, and WAC Employment. And I'll give you a little bit of a description of each one. Protect is working with like-minded organizations to including law enforcement agency to be their voice uh, when, when there's animal abuse, dog left in a vehicle, dog tied to a, a you know, tree that doesn't have any water or shelter. And then uh, the advocacy portion is probably the hardest part of it. And uh, let me start this first saying, you don't have to be a dog lover or an animal advocate to support the advocacy part. Because the one thing I will tell you, the one thing I can mention is, if you, heard, if you remember the names David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, Ted Bundy, oh, yes. mm. Dennis Rader, BTK, uh, yes. Jeffrey Dahmer, all yep. of them, before graduating to be serial killers, abused animals and tortured animals or killed animals. So, like I said, you don't have to be an animal lover or activist, but next door, if you see it, that could be someone's going to hurt your family. And also in the advocacy, there's two things that we're highlighting at Wounded Paw Project. One is ending dog fighting. It still exists. Uh, it exists pretty, pretty strong, including the state that I live in, Virginia. 
so we want to end dog fighting and make it a little bit the tougher penalties than just a one-year imprisonment and make it pretty tough, especially since what finances and is illegal uh, illegal businesses such as you know narcotics, uh, human trafficking. There's a lot of components that go into dog fighting than strictly just the, the actual fight itself. And then the one that is very interesting is uh, one thing that researchers we were doing is the consumption of dog and cat meat. Uh, in Yulin, China, uh, yearly they have a dog massacre where they torture dogs horrific, they boil them alive, burn them alive, and they eat them. But as we were condemning them and working with other like-minded organizations, I discover that in our beautiful country, as we have 44 states where it's legal to consume dog and cat meat, and a few states actually sell them by the pound at all dog auctions. That is something if you follow us, that uh, we're going to have more information on it before we start putting you know states and names out there. But uh, it's it's a uh, it's something that it's really I discovered just this year earlier this year and it really shocked me. And uh, but that is the hardest part is the advocacy portion. That's where uh, it gets pretty pretty tough and emotional. And then the best part of the job is the whack employment. The this is where we teach them to be a service dog. And just like just like human beings, not every dog is going to make it a service dog. So, but we work with them and say, okay, maybe they cannot be a service dog. Then we bring it down a notch and make them an emotional support animal. If they can't make that, we make them to a companion, then therapy. So we go down a chain. So every dog is going to have a, a job, a function to help out a veteran and their family. It's just you know some of the ADA requirements, the Disability Act. They might not be have the same uh, latitude to take their dog everywhere they want, but every dog will have a purpose for the family. All right. And so how do you how do you choose a dog when you go down to the rescue shelter? I'll be honest with you, every dog, I wish I could save every dog, but every dog has chosen us. It's just something in their eyes. They'll come up to us. It's, it's a yelp or a cry. They pick wow. us. I can understand that. Yeah. And Bill? Well, Ernesto, you know, one of the, uh, I think, important things in our advocacy and working with veterans and you've uh, the work that you've done with the military or the Purple Heart and, and trying to get veterans connected is networking. And I'm, I'm interested in knowing if, uh, you know, uh, the, the Wounded Poor Project, uh, uh, what kind of networking you're doing with other organizations. And, 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 and specifically, you know, in, in this day and time now, uh, veterans who return to home and community with post-traumatic stress, uh, uh, traumatic brain injury, we're finding more and more that for these individuals to be able to relax and just to, to be calm, that this has a very positive effect uh, with them getting back to whatever normal is with them. So uh, tell us a little bit if that's uh, occurring uh, with networking that you might be doing with other organizations in the uh, veteran community at large. Uh, well, that's how I met you there, <laughs> with the networking. That's true. Uh, the, the greatest thing that the experience that I have is uh, working for Purple Heart. You know, being the, the uh, national action slash executive director, CEO of the organization, I was able to uh, work with every VSO that's nationwide. And with that, I took that experience and continue on with it. I, I've had just recently uh, Paralyzed Veterans of America reach out to me. They're looking for a dog for one of their members. Uh, like I said, every major VSO we work with, uh, some we work a little bit more with, 
Uh, we work with the military service organizations. Uh, the, we work with the VA, the Pentagon. And one organization that I really have to emphasize and do a shout-out is called American Veterans Center. Uh, if, you, if you remember, Billy, uh, the gentleman who stood up after me, he spoke a little bit yes. about the organization. Yes. They're not a veteran service organization, your typical VSOs that helps with VA care or assistance, but what they do is they preserve our legacy. And they're the ones they put on the Memorial Day Parade. This upcoming here this Monday that we're going to be part of. Uh, and they have been a huge, huge advocate of us and made introductions outside of the veterans organizations because we're, what we're trying to do is just set up a huge, huge network of veteran care, veteran advocacy, and what are we doing good and what do we need to redo. And I'll give you an example is after Memorial Day and hopefully before Veterans Day, we're going to do a series with Wounded Paul Project, my organization, the American Veterans Center, and some other veteran, veteran service organizations. Uh, it's going to be a three-part, two to three-part series, and it's called The Cost of War After War. As you know, uh, our country, we have a very high suicide rate, homelessness, unemployment compared to our coalition partners that we fought with. The UK, the Danes, um, uh, Eastern European countries that serve with us, uh, Latin American countries serve with us, their, their care is a little better than ours or more accessible, maybe that's the better term I should use, their unemployment is lower and their suicide is much lower than ours. So we were, we wanted to, we we're going to set up the series where we have from World War II to present, you know, as I mentioned, a two to, part, two to three part series where we team up World War II with some of their allied forces that they fought with, you know, uh, Vietnam, Gulf War, today's wars, and those coalition forces that were there with us, you know, and have a, have a frank conversation, what are they doing? And the military times at this time has mentioned that they would like to team up with us and do a repository of lessons learned in a database and how to reach out to kind of put a, a huge symposium of best practices. So that's how we're, uh, we are, we are uh, collaborating in this veteran space, sir. Well, that, that is quite interesting, uh, Ernesto. Uh, you know, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs has, at the national level, has the primary responsibility for looking after our men and women after they return to home and community. But they, uh, you know, it's, they, they do a lot of good things. Many things fall through the cracks, and I think it's, you know, the, the community at large has to fill those gaps, and that's so important. And uh, and where I see that going, I mean, with the tremendous work that your organization is doing, is that how can uh, others uh, who may be hearing about this for the first time assist you maybe with contributions, assistance, and what have you. I'm on your website right now, and let me congratulate you and say this is an outstanding website, but you you talk to us in the audience as to how they can assist in this project. Well, I'll do the traditional, you know, you can always donate. Uh, we're now in a car campaign, car, RVs, motorcycles, boats. You can donate that as well, uh, Amazon, uh, smile.amazon.com. We're there as well, so if you go to our homepage, it's all there. But one of the biggest things that I always say is uh, be a voice. I mean, you know, you, you've heard the term, if you can't donate, uh, do something else. You know, for us, if you can't donate, foster. If you can't foster, advocate. It, you know, you can go to your local animal shelter and say, hey, I'd like to volunteer just to walk a dog. You know, one, you'll get exercise, get outside, and a dog gets a time outside of a cage environment. 
So there's many, many, many ways. You can send me an email directly. At, uh, you can Here, I'll give my personal email, ernesto.hernandez at woundedpawproject.org. And send me an email if you'd like to volunteer. I mean, there's so many things at the state level for legislation, federal level, uh, national campaigns, getting the word out, uh, setting up a fun run with a dog or walk events. There's many ways to get involved. And we are we have been established for, for many decades in training dogs, but we're a young organization. It's a nonprofit. It's a 51 c 3 We're only we're entering our 19th month. So in that sense, we're still young. But we have a ton of experience. We have some phenomenal board members, a lot of veterinarian, uh, vets, veterinarians that are on our board. And so as we grow, we're always looking for volunteers. I mean, it doesn't have to be solely uh, financial contributions, but we'll, we'll accept them. <laughs> you know, it's the only way we can grow. Uh, but we have some very unique uh, items in the pipeline, to including a, uh, a veteran job program here very soon that we're working with the VA and also hopefully with the SBA that uh, instead of passing a hat always, that we want to get veterans working. And I know that would help finance our organization as well. All right. And we'll support you any way we can also. Uh, what, what time is that parade, by the way? The parade starts at 2 p.m. Uh, it's about no more than two hours. That's at Constitution Avenue. It's only about a mile and a half, I think, the length, or maybe a mile. But it takes two hours. It's going to be, I don't know how many organizations, I want to say over 100, 120 organizations. It's going to be televised for the first time this year on your major networks, CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox News. It'll be televised. We'll be in a parade. Uh, we're going to have a mini float. To, hopefully next year we grow and have a complete float. But we're going to have a float with about half a dozen dogs with us. And um, and as I mentioned earlier in your show, sir, is we collaborate. We're not myopic. We don't compete. You know, as long as you know, we're, we're trying to do the same thing as any other organization. So for us, we're not a rescue shelter, but we work with local organizations. And you'll see some organizations that we work with. Their dogs will be vested with their organization. So if you want to adopt a dog and if you're there at the parade or if you see it, let me know and I'll get it to you. All right. Now, you're located in, in Maryland area? Is that correct? So we're located in Burke, Virginia. That's our headquarters. And our okay. headquarters will remain here, but our operation is moving to San Antonio, Texas. Hopefully, well, we were hoping by the end of the year, realistically, early spring 2018. Uh, we're looking at a couple hundred acres to really grow the program. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fantastic. Now you're you're going to become national then, correct? Correct. We're we're yeah we're in the stepping stones of national now, but by that time we'll definitely be at the national level. All right. And Bill, that's in uh, I guess they're out in your area. Is that correct? Oh yeah, uh, Ernesto is almost in my backyard. Uh, Ernesto, I'm I'm in the backyard of National Harbor, so oh, yeah. uh, you, you you can imagine from where you are to where I am. Uh, but but you know I I, I think uh, uh, San Antonio is a, is a is a, a great location to to do what, what you want to do in that operation. I'm just wondering with uh, that being a training location there for the U.S. Air Force, and I think they also have a dog training uh, operation there at Lackland. Do they not? That is correct. They're the organization that trains every federal dog in the United States. Yes. Well, you 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 you'll be in good community. <laughs> we right. are centrally located in the United States, so we can ferry dogs east, west, north, and south pretty quickly. Yeah, that 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 that's great. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. 
Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with Ernesto with the Wounded Paw Project. And why don't you tell us, you, you have a story, we all love stories, and uh, maybe a unique story that uh, you found when you were doing the business here. Sure. Uh, it's not our story, but it's something we're going to get into this business here. Is, as I mentioned earlier, we, we really we focus on every rescue, or excuse me, every shelter dog. Mm-hmm. But our compassion is these breed-specific legislation, your Rottweilers, Pit Bulls, German Shepherds, uh, you know, they're just, they're just misunderstood. They're, they're teddy bears. And, you know, I'll give you one example on a pit bull side. When they were bred, the pit bulls, it was an English bulldog and a terrier, and they were specifically bred to be babysitters. Uh, the pit bulls originally, in the early 1800s, when, you know, they had servants and, and caretakers, they would, the, the dog would be babysitting the, the, the baby while the caretaker was doing other chores around the house. And they were actually... You know, alert the uh, the caretaker that the baby was awake or needed to be changed. So, as we focus with these, one thing we noticed is, you know, some of these breeds can be working dogs. Uh, right now, we're strictly a service dog organization, but we do have a five-year plan, and we're hoping by the next two years to three years that we focus a little bit on the working side. As I mentioned, San Antonio, Texas, and it was done strategically because uh, Bill, you mentioned about uh, the base there, Lackland. We will team up with them. We're, we're very early stages of discussions. There's a canine organization that does dogs, uh, canine dogs for police units there in San Antonio as well. And the one thing they're doing something amazing is they're taking shelter dogs. And for the first time ever, they have a pit bull shelter female that she's a canine police dog in New York. And then once a state gets it, you know, another one wants it. And then there's a second one that just showed up in Ohio. So, uh, we, again, we have nothing against breeding. Uh, we, you know, we love all dogs, but in the ultimate, you get to remember, as I mentioned earlier, 
There's 70 million homeless animals, 8 million roughly dogs in the United States alone. has a lot of homeless dogs. So, you know, we always try to adopt before you shop. You know, we, we send that message out. So you'll, you'll see Wounded Paw, as we grow, grow into a couple different um, organizations. And our ultimate goal is to empty out shelters. That's the bottom line. And once we do that, you know, I'm hoping it happens in my lifetime, that we'll move on to globally. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Sounds great. And Bill? Well, uh, that that that's uh, amazing, uh, Ernesto. I, I, I'm I. It, the thought came to mind is that uh, do you have uh, any uh, situations there where a uh, you you've got families involved? Uh, with uh, with a dog when you uh, you know uh, turn them over to a, to a veteran. In other words, uh, let's call it a family affair. Where uh, you know I know the dog primarily is there for the veteran, but I mean in a support role. It it is. Once the dog is vested, it is there for the veteran. That's how we train our dogs. So once the vest comes off, it becomes a family pet. Uh, I mean, some organizations do not agree with our logic. But I use you and me as an example. Uh, uh, you know, when we put that uniform on, I was a different person. When I wore my Air Force blues, I was a different person than I wore my utilities. And it was a totally different person when I was in combat. So it is a family affair, but it's always a concern for us. We do check up wellnesses, and we, you know, we, we keep in touch with their, uh, their, their medical providers. Because, uh, you know, there's always a concern, you know, <laughs> because it is... It is one one thing uh, we have so many homeless animals because people think they're an accessory. They they are living living breathing creature that needs nourishment, needs water, and they do you know have to relieve themselves. No different than a human being. So the answer is yes. It's got to be a family affair, and if it's not a family affair, uh, if it's just a single person, we try to team them up with other people you know that have dogs. It doesn't have to be a service dog. It could be someone just an animal activist, animal lover, has a pet and. So they're not by themselves. So they make sure that those dogs get their walks. You know, they're properly taken care of. Well, that that that's a tremendous asset, uh, Ernesto. I'm I'm reminded of some situations where, you know, some of our veterans who have problems uh, with crowds, uh, and uh, with the dog being with a veteran, and they and I'm sure they pick up on that, uh, and how they can uh, assist a veteran in situations like that, or, you know, uh, and and since they're with them all the time, if they. Uh, you know, sleeping and they've got some appointments or something like that, or even an emergency, how they can, uh, you know, come to their rescue and support them and uh, get them in line with uh, what needs to be done. That is just simply amazing. It is. Uh, Daisy, as I mentioned, she's the one that started this whole program for Wounded Paw Project. She knew when I was having, you know, uh, terror nightmares, you know, she would get on top of me, use her body weight. She's, a, you know, a pit bull lab mix, which is a little bit big girl. And she would use her weights just to calm me down. So it goes exactly what you're saying. They pick up on it. Wow. If I was a veteran looking for um, a dog, how would I go about it? Well, unfortunately, there's so many requests that we cannot <laughs> fulfill all Aye. of them. So send me an email. I said I gave you my email, my personal email. You can also send it to info at woundedpawproject.org. There's more eyes on that. And right now, uh, we have certain dogs in the pipeline, but they're all taken care of, hence what, why we want to move to San Antonio, keep growing this, uh, make this a job-based employment, you know, have, have veterans working, helping us to uh, create service dogs or train service dogs, and we can get them out. So send us an email. 
But if we can't fulfill it, uh, one thing we are, we're not myopic, we collaborate. We'll reach out to some other great organizations that we work with throughout the country to get you a dog as soon as possible. But unfortunately, there's not enough uh, organizations such as mine for, for, the, for the amount of requests there are out there. We're not there yet. I'm hoping 18 to 24 months that we can literally baseline say, hey, these are 50 commands that we teach every dog that needs to know, you know, 50 commands. And then once the veteran sends us a request and we speak to the medical provider, we know how to train it to their specific needs. You know, kind of like commercial off the shelves at that turn that came out in the 90s for the military. You know, we can have a dog standardized. They all have the, the basic command, but then we specialize them to that veteran. And that's our next big goal that we're doing so we can have dogs ready to roll for veterans and their family. But to answer your question, send me an email. Uh, we figure out the specific needs that you need. I said, well, right now we're focused on PTSD and TBI with a little bit of sexual trauma, which that supports we really want to grow. And if we can fit you in based on your requirement, we'll get you a dog, I said, six to eight months. If we can, we'll put you onto another organization, but we'll help you get a dog. All right. Well, Ernesto, you just may become busy because, uh, Gary, <laughs> in every state in the country, and where else, Gary? In 98 countries. So, well, I'll invite uh, you to visit our website. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, we only have a couple minutes left, Ernesto. It was, great, it was a great pleasure to have you on the show with us today. What would you like to share with our listeners in closing? You have a couple seconds there. <laughs> uh, two things i like to share is, uh, one is the veteran suicide. It's an alarming rate, the numbers that it's growing. So uh, with the only less than 1% of us serve, if I'm, um, I would venture to say almost every American has a neighbor, a friend, or knows of someone who is a veteran. I would say keep an eye on us. You know, we, We've been through a lot, and if you see something that's not right, don't be that silent voice. Say something. It might not be what the veteran wants to hear, but it's something what the veteran needs to listen to. So be an advocate for those people that serve for us in our country. That would be my first thing, especially the numbers of women suicide going up. There was somewhere around 12, 15%, if I remember right, Bill, that has gone yep. up to almost 50%. It's a huge number increase. All right. Uh, with that, okay. I'll give a little shout-out uh, to the American Veterans Center. Visit our website, especially they're put on the Memorial Day Parade. And remember, do not thank a veteran for Memorial Day. It's just a remembrance of the fallen, so say a prayer. And uh, for me, I always remember Steve Scott, Colonel Steve Scott, a dear friend of mine that was killed shortly after I was injured. And, uh, and I want to say thank you very much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it, and I hope to collaborate with you more here in the future. Uh, visit our website. Look for us on NBC, CBS, or one of the major networks on the Memorial Day Parade. You'll, our vehicle will be very, it'll be very easy to pick out. And, uh, and again, uh, if you have a car, boat, RV that you'd like to donate, uh, uh, visit our website. All right. Again, thank you, Ernesto, and thank you, Bill. I'd like to say thanks to all our listeners and supporters, and remember, we spotlight and promote the best available information of interest to America's veterans and their families anytime, anywhere, and on any mobile device. I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host Bill and our guest, Ernesto, with the Wounded Paw Project. You all have a safe Memorial Day, and we'll see you next week. Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of American Heroes Network. Please join Gary Ray again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. We are America, and we truly do believe you're the backbone of our nation. Thanks to you, we're living free. We're a quilt of many colors, and we breathe red wine.
again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 